Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I think the Georgia-Kentucky game essentially kind of comes down to three things. And two of those things, I think, were once on display for Georgia not all that long ago in the very recent past. And I think calling back on that, I think, is one of the things that really matters for Georgia in order to get this win on Kentucky on Saturday. And for the first time in a little while here, I think that Georgia's playing a game in the regular season that is in a little bit of doubt. You know, I know a lot of folks a year ago were talking up Tennessee and expecting Tennessee to have the chance to win. But the truth is, I think on this show and a lot of those of us around Dog Nation actually thought that Tennessee was being inflated by a lot of media and college football talkers and things like that. And I think that Georgia went out that and went out there and validated data that point last season. I expect Georgia to win on Saturday. But this is one of those games where, you know, you're not going to hear me say, and Georgia's going to do this, and Georgia's going to do that, and Georgia's going to shut everybody up. No, I think there's a sense in which Georgia needs to play at its best on Saturday in order to earn the win against another team that's undefeated and a team that at least seems to be growing in its belief of itself. You know, more on that coming up in a moment. Obviously, fans going to be crucial here. We'll definitely get there here coming up in a minute there too. But to set up what I think matters for Georgia against Kentucky on Saturday. Let me go back to a kind of a weird game where I don't think you'd compare this game to the one George about to play to the one I'm about to mention in your mind necessarily. But for me, it was just kind of on my mind a lot. And it's the Orange Bowl win that Georgia got against Michigan. For whatever reason, I've had that game on my mind a lot here over the course of the I wake up pretty early in the morning, start thinking about the show, things like that. And I've just been sort of thinking about that game a lot. And the reason why is I think a couple of things that Georgia had going for it in that game, I sort of think it needs to have going for it to uh, again against Kentucky on Saturday. After all, we've been kind of having some fun with the idea of this being Brocktober, that Brock Bowers really, I think, emerged completely and fully as the best player in college football with his performance in the second half against Auburn last week that game was in doubt that game was up for grabs and Bauer stood up grabbed it and took it and allowed Georgia to get the win he propelled the dogs to victory there that day and he has gotten a lot of attention since then and for the most part we've been reveling in that attention we've been having fun with that because we like to have fun when we possibly can around here but that attention also creates uh, a spotlight on him from the opponent side that George is playing here on this particular Saturday. There was a clip we played earlier this week of Mark Stoops talking about just how good Brock Bowers is right now. Do we have that clip? Uh, do we have the clip to play? Okay, we do have that clip. Uh, uh, Mark Stoops, he had kind of a funny reaction this week about how good he thinks Brock Bowers is right now. And he's obviously being very complimentary, as coaches often are, of the opponents they're about to play. But there's a key takeaway from what Stoops said. Let me hear, let you hear it one more time as a quick reminder. <laughs> Absolute freak. Absolute freak. And I mean that in the most complimentary way. What a what an incredible player. You know, he's selfless, you could tell. You know, he, he's a complete player. He plays well without the football. He plays well with the football. Uh, he's a team guy. You could tell that's a great guy to work around right there. He, you know, he he steps up when they need him to, um, but, but you know, very unique player. Um, I, I had the opportunity to be at Kentucky, I mean, excuse me, at Arizona when Gronk was there. And I know people, you know, they're just different players, both unbelievably great and talented just different 
you know, this guy's something I haven't seen before. So Mark Stoops is a good coach. We would say that almost everything that Stoops says about Bowers there is true, including the comparison to Gronk, who Stoops knew in college. And it may seem like it's somewhat exaggerated because you're always blowing up your opponent to be as good as they can possibly be. And yet, even with the sort of typical exaggerated tone, most of what Stoops says there about Bowers rings true. Now, let me ask you then a very simple question. Stoops is a good coach and a smart guy. If he thinks all that stuff is true about Bowers, or even if he thinks all that stuff about Bowers is partially true, directionally true, how much how much do you think this Kentucky defense, Stoops, of course, being a defensive-minded coach, how much do you think this Kentucky defense this week has talked about what it's going to take to key on and stop Brock Bowers? Of course, that's the case, right? We know that if Stoops is that blown away and that impressed by what he's seen with Brock Bowers, they have obviously been talking about Brock Bowers this entire week. And perhaps that conversation with off-field analysts and things like that, perhaps that conversation has been extended now for the last couple of months of, we got to make sure we have a plan for 19. That's the Brock Bowers jersey number. we got to make sure we have a plan for 19 when we play Georgia. And this week, you've got to imagine a good portion of that defensive practice for Kentucky has been spent around you know, the loudmouth podcast hosts are calling this Brocktober. We got to make sure it's not Brocktober inside of uh, Sanford Stadium on Saturday. Of course, we know that's true. But this is why the Orange Bowl win for Georgia against Michigan, going back to the college ball playoff in 2021, was so important. And, and I think such an important blueprint, perhaps, for how Georgia's going to get it done against Kentucky on Saturday. Because in that game, Michigan had a month to prepare for Georgia and we had seen what was a bad game for Georgia in the SEC championship against Alabama but the one guy who had a pretty good game was Bowers fed over and over and over again he had double digit catches that day so Michigan we know was also keying to stop Brock Bowers because Jim Harbaugh is not an idiot of course you're going to have 19 circle he was only a freshman back then but he was Georgia's best offensive player back then as well of course Michigan was trying to stop him and on that particular day as you remember it did not work now I want to do something I don't typically do I'm going to read from a website here it's a blog called Larry Brown Sports it's a long time blog it's been around for a long time uh this is what they wrote about Georgia to begin the game against Michigan an opening drive in which Bowers had three catches including the touchdown this is what Georgia was able to do offensively that day against Michigan despite the fact that we know just common sense would tell you that Michigan was trying to take away Brock Bowers but here's how ineffective it was because of how smartly Georgia played Uh, The writer here at Larry Brown Sports says Georgia sure did its coaching homework in preparing for their college football playoff game against Michigan in the Orange Bowl on Friday. The Bulldogs went 80 yards on seven plays on their opening drive to score a touchdown and take a 7-0 lead against the Wolverines. They completed three passes to tight end Brock Bowers on the drive, including the touchdown. So here's the point. That with Michigan saying, the one thing we're not going to do is let Brock Bowers beat us. We may lose 100 to nothing, but we're not going to let Brock Bowers beat us because any team would say that getting ready to play Georgia. And yet on the first drive, demoralizing as it was, Georgia hit Brock three times, including wide open on a touchdown. The writer here at Larry Brown Sports goes on to say, where Georgia's pregame preparations paid off was on the final two plays. On third and one of the Michigan 11, Georgia came out of a timeout and did some extreme pre-snap line shifting. That left Michigan's defensive line confused and out of position as Samir White converted the first down. And then on the following play, Georgia broke its huddle, quickly ran to the line, quickly snapped the ball. They ran a play action, and Bowers was wide open for the touchdown. 
the writer concludes Michigan's defense does a lot of pre-snap communications and changes by shifting on the third down play by breaking the huddle and rushing to the snap the ball on the following play Georgia prevented Michigan from being able to do what they like to do now ultimately all that stuff at the end about well Michigan wants to communicate and Georgia's moving too fast Michigan's out of position I only care about that kind of stuff so much. There's an aspect of football of don't tell me about the birth pains. Just show me the baby. And when it comes to Brock Bowers, all I really care about is somehow, some way, Georgia figured out a way to get him wide open for a touchdown, setting the tone for the Orange Bowl in a game that obviously Michigan was going to do everything it could to stop Brock Bowers. And the reason why I'm bringing that up ahead of tomorrow's game ought to be self-evident. This is a Georgia team that right now needs every big play it can get offensively. The guy providing the most of those currently is Brock Bowers. Of course, Kentucky is going to try to take that away. But letting Kentucky completely take that away from Georgia tomorrow would not be a good idea. If all you do is take what the defense gives you, in other words, I'm going to go away from Bowers because that's what Kentucky is trying to take away from me. I'm going to go away from him. If all you do is take what the defense gives you, then all you're going to have is what the defense wants you to have. And so Georgia's got to replicate against Kentucky on Saturday what it did against Michigan in the Orange Bowl at the end of the 2021 season. They've got to get the ball to Bowers even when the opposing defense knows that that's what they're going to do. Now, another point about that game against Michigan like I said weirdly it was on my mind a lot this morning as kind of a pre I guess a template or a, or a blueprint for how you uh, win this game against Kentucky on Saturday there was something after that game that Kirby Smart was very open about that you know given the fact that Georgia was coming off of a loss and that Michigan was getting a lot of praise where have you heard that before Michigan maybe unduly being praised but given the chatter for the month leading up to the game once Georgia got the win Kirby Smart was more than happy to say this is a team that went out and played with a chip on its shoulder. He used that phrase in particular. In fact, as a way of maybe kind of describing the mindset and the psyche for Georgia this particular Saturday night, let's go back and hear Kirby from Miami after Georgia had beaten Michigan and perhaps the extra level of motivation that Georgia had for that game. There's a little chip on the shoulder of the defensive guys. I mean, they, their offense coordinators, the, the Royals Award over uh, Coach Lanning, who we think did a hell of a job, uh, and their their offensive lines owe more award. And um, you know what? They, they, somebody that, that made that decision is a lot smarter than me. But we got a hell of an offensive line too. And uh, our guys played with a chip on their shoulder tonight. SDK did on defense, and and all the defensive guys did. And they, they were they were kind of backed up by a great offensive effort. You've perhaps heard me say before that sometimes I think we have a tendency to overrate the role that emotion and motivation plays and how games are decided on the field. Uh, I think sometimes we exaggerate that. I think coaches are more comfortable talking about that part of it than they are the coaching strategy and decision part of it. And I think, therefore, sometimes the conversation veers in that direction more than it possibly should. And yet on Saturday, every little advantage for Georgia is certainly welcome. And if this is a Georgia team that has found success in the past when playing with a chip on its shoulder, maybe right now Georgia's got that chip on its shoulder here once again. We do know this is a team that's still ranked number one, but it seems like there's a little bit of shopping in the minds of a lot of the tastemakers of, well, what happens if Texas beats Oklahoma? And look at Florida State, what they've done. And Michigan's undefeated, and they're winning all their games easy and whatever else. It seems like there's a little shopping right now for maybe someone other than Georgia to be viewed as college football's best team. And there has been, I believe, somewhat reasonable, but nonetheless existent. There has been some criticism of Georgia, some skepticism of Georgia. They haven't been as dominant on defense. If Georgia play with a chip on its shoulder against Michigan, do they have the freedom and the opportunity to play with a chip on their shoulder again 
uh, when it comes to this Kentucky game there on Saturday with a lot of folks saying, I'm not sure this team can stop the run. When was the last time we ever said that about Georgia, if ever? And given what Kentucky just did to Florida and given the fact that Georgia gave up 200 on the ground uh, against Auburn, there are a lot of folks who are wondering, can Georgia stop the run against Kentucky? Well, if there was ever a breeding ground for Georgia to once again have a chip on its shoulder, it would seem like this Saturday. You heard Smart say they've used that mindset before and perhaps cultivating that mindset again for tomorrow night, you know, perhaps that makes some sense. Now, finally, let me give you this. This is away from the Michigan game in the Orange Bowl. This is a little bit more about the specific opponent you're going to play. While sometimes I think the role that emotion and motivation plays on the part of the players can be overstated, I do not believe that's overstated when it comes to fans. And I think anything that we can do around here to set the right mood, to set the right tone from what we need from Georgia fans on Saturday night, obviously we're going to take the chance to do that. Now the thing of it is, is Kentucky has not said a whole lot coming into this week. They're going to try to tiptoe quietly into Sanford Stadium. They don't want to make this environment any tougher than it already is. But around here, we do save receipts. And one of the things we made a big deal about in last year's, before last year's game was a guy named Vince Marrow, who is a Kentucky assistant coach, recruiting, you know, or coordinator type guy, tight ends coach, I believe, is the position that he coaches. And he went on a radio show called Kentucky Sports Radio. This was last year uh, in the off season ahead of the 2022 campaign. And he was just talking very openly, very casually about Georgia in a way that a lot of assistant coaches don't typically talk. And they really felt like the game in 2021 where they had to like, you know, march down the field in the last possession of the game just to avoid having the spread covered against them. They felt like that was a game they perhaps could have been far more competitive in. And they were actually going to last year's game thinking they were going to beat Georgia. So we're trying to do everything we can to set the right mood, the right tone for this particular game uh, on Saturday. So let's go back to a year ago. Vince Marrow is a Kentucky assistant coach on a radio program up there called Kentucky Sports Radio. This is the level of cockiness behind the scenes that apparently Kentucky has when it looks at Georgia. This ought to get you fired up. Let's hear this again. We've heard it before. You have said that in order for Kentucky to do what you want to do, the next step is beating Georgia. But what will it take for this program to take that next step to beat Georgia? So, I don't know if you remember 18, we were not ready for that game mm-hmm. when it was AB, was CBS. And you could tell early. I mean, yes. we, we fought hard, yes. but you could tell it wasn't going to yes. be there. Yeah. But when we played them last year and went down there, I'm telling you, our guys went in. We were not you know, it was not. We were. We really thought we would win that game. And two yeah. plays go differently. You're in it. The drop that they kept showing on the draft coverage, right. and then, and he's a great player. So I'm not. I'm not crushing him at oh, all. No. But that little screen pass to Rodriguez, Fortner missed a block on that. And if he had hit that block, Rodriguez was going to score. But I don't think y'all remember. We have three field goals blocked. One deal drops the touchdown pass. That's right. We did have three field goals. And then we missed the field goal on that. And then we had two more field goals blocked. So we lost thirty to seventeen. If you, I'm just telling you, if we picked that fumble, the one they say was was no, the that fumble, hurt. Yes, that's a different game because now they only up by three, and we going into halftime. We physically thought, and Kirby even said it when they keep asking me all these media days. He said they keep saying about Kentucky. He said, "Are you guys serious?" He said, "That's one of our toughest games every year." You talk to our players. So a couple things there. First of all, they didn't lose 30 to 17. They lost 30 to 13. They had to score in the final play of the game just to make it 13. So there are some facts here that are probably not quite fully well established there by Vince Marrow. But let me also remind you, this is not a fan 
This is not a caller to a radio program. This is not a message board poster. This is one of Kentucky's coaches saying, oh, listen, uh, Kirby Smart knows we're tougher than they are. Kirby Smart knows that's their toughest game every year. Kirby Smart knows this. Kirby Smart knows that. That's what he's saying. So Kentucky may not be saying anything publicly right now. They may not be talking trash and saying whatever. They may be trying to tiptoe their way into Sanford Stadium. But that's what one of their own coaches said last year on the record, live on the radio, getting ready for the 2022 season, knowing they're going to host Georgia and Lexington. You'll remember he went on to say, we didn't play this for you. He went on to talk about how cold it was going to be, which it was. He didn't get that part right. And how Kentucky was going to be ready for Georgia and ambush them there in the cold, which they did not do. Georgia didn't play that well. Uh, but they still, you know, obviously won the game. That was the level of confidence that Kentucky had last year. And privately behind the scenes, you would be led to believe that's still the same level of confidence they have right now even though they're not currently saying it publicly. So if you're a Georgia fan, I am intentionally trolling you right now. I am stirring the pot and doing everything I can. We need you loud. Now, I believe you will be. I think Kirby Smart knows that too. The cool thing about Kirby is he is more than happy to give full credit to the fans for the atmosphere they help create. We've been waiting a long time for a night game, SEC, ranked opponent on the other side, You know, perhaps a chance for Georgia to show the chip on its shoulder that Smart has described them having in the past. Brocktober beginning in full measure here. I think the stage is set for something really, really fun. I'll admit, I think this game is competitive. I think Kentucky's going to play hard. But I also believe that Georgia's going to play harder. I believe that Georgia's going to play better. And I believe that Georgia's going to win. But it needs everything it can to its advantage, including a very loud crowd with very long memories of the trash that Kentucky coaches have talked in the past. Whatever it takes to stir you up, let's get ready for an incredible, incredible atmosphere on Saturday night. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger. Brocktober, ready to go tomorrow. We are excited about that. Georgia and Kentucky, and of course, glad to have you with us for the program today. Live on video, 10 a.m. across all platforms, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, 10 a.m. After that, as we said before, everywhere else on video, radio, Athens Sports Radio, 960 Ref Podcast, all across the various podcast platforms. I believe we kind of jumped the gun on there being a podcast problem. Doesn't appear to be a podcast problem now. So to all of you who always give us heads up on that, I appreciate that. And obviously, we really work as hard as we can to deliver this show on as many different platforms as possible. So thank you for your information when it's perhaps not working out like it should. But it seems like we're all good on that for now, which is really, really good. All right, let's now tell you about our friends at Kroger who make today's show possible. And how about this? A Georgia-themed version of Kroger Chef Jr. here for the month of October. This is really cool. Obviously, you know what Kroger Chef Jr. is by now. You've heard me talk about this plenty before. The guided kids cooking experience. And for the month of October, getting a chance to make a UGA cookie. This is amazing. So it's tomorrow at select Kroger locations. And then again on October 21st there as well. Every Kroger Chef Jr. event is a 30-minute class where your child receives an apron and a patch, a chef's hat, and this month, a UGA cookie cutter there as well. Plus, you also get a recipe card and holder, and it's only $7 per child. So go to KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. The word junior spelled out, J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. We're going to get Jeff Sintel here coming up in a moment. And interesting new rules being passed both at the high school level here in the state of Georgia, at the NCAA level across the country. How does that impact UGA recruiting? We'll talk about that. we got a couple of UGA commits set to square off tonight on television. We'll tell you about that. Plus, 
Really interesting list of visitors kind of rolling in for the night game against Kentucky on Saturday. Jeff will have some really good information for us on that there too. Prior to that though, I want to go around the doghouse and I went long to begin the show so I'm going to be kind of brief here right now. But Kirby Smart appeared Wednesday on the SEC Coaches Teleconference and the subject of Carson Beck came up. And I think that there is an obvious, unmistakable tone as it relates to Beck right now, and I believe it's accurate, that Carson Beck's having a good season. You know, he's perhaps not Caleb Williams right now or you know, maybe not the best quarterback in the SEC, although I think at the moment the best quarterback in the SEC is still somewhat up for grabs, so Beck could perhaps be that at some point in time, but he's not quite there right now. Uh, you know, maybe not quite playing at the highest possible quarterback level as of yet. We still want to see Georgia connect on more deep throws down the field as a for instance. That's, that's something that Georgia needs. But even in the midst of that, I think the overall reviews f- about Beck from fans, from media, from whomever else, I think they've been positive and I think the Saturday game last week against Auburn is another example of how true that is Beck was very strong for Georgia in the second half there converted a lot of third downs uh, helped Georgia come back from a deficit and I think Carson Beck has gotten some well-earned praise because of all of that so that's the vibe around Beck Beck has had a good start to his first year as the Georgia starting quarterback has it been best quarterback in the country perhaps but has certainly been a guy that Georgia fans I think more often than not have been glad they've had that's the vibe I think you get around Carson Beck but how about where this goes from here and the idea of can Carson Beck lead Georgia to a national championship and that's where I think that Kirby Smart this week from the SEC coaches teleconference provided a pretty good reminder of what the actual identity of Georgia kind of is and this is quote not a uh, clip because I wasn't on the call But let me give you the quote from Kirby Smart from the SEC Coaches Teleconference on kind of where things are with uh, Beck right now. Kirby saying, I think when you start talking about national title hopes and putting it all on one player, I think that's a little far-fetched. I just don't think we won the ones we won just because of that position. That position's a growth position, and Stetson Bennett certainly was more experienced and better the second go-around than he was the first. Neither one was because of him. He means neither national championship. Kirby goes on to say, and whether we do or don't do this this year, it's not going to be because of Carson Beck. Once again, that's Kirby Smart from the SEC Coaches Teleconference. I believe that is 100% true. And perhaps that's more true. In fact, I'm pretty sure it is more true for a team like Georgia than almost any other team in college football that competes for national championships. Georgia is just not a quarterback-driven program. That has been true, certainly true for the two national championships. I believe it remains true here right now. There is a certain standard of play that you do need from Carson Beck, but Georgia is never going to ask its quarterback to be Caleb Williams because Georgia hopefully has a lot of other things going forward. And the idea of playing complementary football, being really good on offense and really good on defense, uh, that still matters at Georgia even in the transition from Bennett to Carson Beck. And there is an aspect of the Stetson Bennett career that's being reconsidered. You know, the media always rewrites history to make everything seem more certain than it actually was because in increasing the certainty of the outcome, it increases their perceived intelligence. And so the media always rewrites history to make outcomes of sporting events seem more certain than they actually were. There's a little bit of what you call survivor bias in all of that, but it's also just a a retelling of stories to kind of make things seem 
the, the people who watched it play out smarter than we perhaps actually were and there's definitely some of that with Stetson Bennett where when you look back on the career a Heisman finalist in his final year at Georgia and a two-time national champion well of course Stetson Bennett was a special player but there were also national media types saying that he was going to be selling insurance and things like that uh there was a lot of doubt about Bennett along the way as Georgia kept winning kept winning kept winning you know Bennett didn't always receive the benefit of the doubt perhaps at times even from his own fans so it's important to know that Kirby Smart is right that Georgia won two national championships without really being led by a quarterback because no one thing is ever going to lead a team that is as deep as Georgia has been. So when you transition to where Georgia sits right now, number one in the country, 5-0 and in the season, hoping to get better to be where it wants to be at the end of what we hope is a 15th game coming in January, some of that is on Carson Beck. Carson Beck and this Georgia offense somehow, some way has got to find some more explosive plays. Georgia needs to score more points in its SEC games as a harbinger for what it might be able to do against better teams on down the line. But that's only part of the story for UGA. What you really kind of hope to see on Saturday is a little bit more of a refining of what the typical identity of Georgia has been. Great on both lines of scrimmage. Improved play from the offensive line. That's probably more important than anything that Carson Beck's going to do on Saturday. Definitely improved play from the front seven, taking away the run game. There are some real challenges being issued to Georgia after some uncharacteristic running game breakdowns. That's probably more important than anything that happens for Carson Beck on Saturday. The kind of Georgia being Georgia, the the, the ability to run the football, that may be more important than anything that Carson Beck is going to do. You need Beck to be good. Thus far, he has been. But a good quarterback also needs to be paired with greatness around him. And I don't know that the greatness around the quarterback has been quite up to Georgia's standard, at least yet so far this year. So when you really tune in on Saturday to watch this game, I think what Kirby Smart says there is the right description, that Georgia is not going to be led to a national championship if it gets there by Carson Beck, because Georgia is not a quarterback-led and a quarterback-driven team. You need good quarterback play with greatness all around him. And that's the vision of Georgia that's existed for the last two years. And that's the vision of Georgia that needs to be reintroduced, hopefully starting on Saturday night as well. And that is Around the Doghouse, poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And tomorrow's one of those days that you live for, the kind of all-day tailgate in Athens where you get a chance to settle in, sit in that comfortable chair, maybe you got the TV set up there at the tent and all the kind of great stuff that uh, goes along with a great tailgate, and a cooler full of that finished long drink we love it and i know you love it there as well especially the brand new peach flavored version of the finished long drink that is always an incredible choice but perhaps for you it's the long drink cranberry the long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume long drink zero no carbs no sugar uh, the long drink traditional and the blue can the grapefruit flavor the gin kick that's always a lot of fun there as well all of that right now an option for you whichever one of those you think you enjoy um it's absolutely fantastic and if you can find that peach flavored version first of all if you see it on the screen there the can just looks amazing uh get the little condensation glistening down the side that's a fun thing to be able to see just a great choice and a great option so make sure you check out the finished long drink as you get ready for a big game day coming up on saturday and of course we're glad to have the finished long drink bringing around the doghouse to us here today all right so before we're done here I've got official predictions for all the big games. You know, normally I do these as a part of our go with the flow on Fridays. This week I had to step away from work for a while. We've had kind of a busy week uh, worth of family stuff, kind of away from work a little bit this week. So that caused me to miss go with the flow on Friday. 
uh, for the Friday night airing of that broadcast. But I'll give you my official picks on that coming up here in just a moment. Also, prior to that as well, a lot to discuss as it relates to UGA recruiting, including pretty impressive list of visitors expected to be on hand for the Saturday night game against Kentucky, as you would expect. So let's talk about all of that right now as welcome in Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily Today, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So uh, very, very interesting goings on in Athens on Saturday night. Obviously, Georgia hoping to get a big win on the field, but the great atmosphere, the night star, the, the hype around the game, also creates a uh, long list of attendees expected to be on hand as well. And, you know, Jeff, I want to start with you on that today, if you don't mind. Some interest around, you know, the fact that Ellis Robinson, I believe, is going to be back there again. You've also got some 2025s of note who are going to be there too. So why don't we just sort of jump in and let you kind of take this where you want to go with it to begin here about a chance to have the marquee home game. Kirby likes this as a weapon in the Georgia recruiting arsenal, what does it provide for Georgia and who do they get a chance to impress uh, based on the early chatter that's out there right now? Yeah, Brandon, good morning, everybody. It's a wonderful Friday. you got to think about a few things, Brandon. Number one, it's the only home game in the month. There's the bye week, there's the Vanderbilt game, and then you go to the wonderful cocktail party in Jacksonville. So if you want to see Georgia this month, this is what you got to do. And I think this is a good point of the year where a lot of programs are in their buys. They have the off week where right on the halfway point of the season, everybody usually maybe a lot, maybe 20, 30% of high school teams are celebrating a buy or choosing a buy right in the median of their season. Brennan, I'm going to be honest with you. The number ones are starting to stack up. Not only is it number one, Ellis Robinson, but a lot of number ones, in the 2025 class, Brandon. I got to see number one linebacker in the country, uh, Zayden Walker, out of Sly County uh, last week on the way to Auburn. Spectacular, six foot three, 220, super, supreme athlete, um, real long. I think some of the recruiting services has him as like 6'1". He's, he's grown to like maybe two inches since that. Brandon, he's going to be a linebacker inside-the-box linebacker in college. He gushes about Georgia, how much he loves Georgia. He's going to be back for not only the Kentucky game this weekend, but he told me he's going to come back for the Missouri game after that. He's going to see Georgia and Tennessee in Tennessee as well. Another name that's just kind of breaking, Brandon, and I'll give credit, it was first reported by Steve Wilfong of 24-7 Sports. The number one offensive tackle in the country, David Sanders, Jr., is going to be there. He's going to be back to Georgia. He was in Georgia, I believe, uh, he camped in June. He was also in Georgia uh, in March. He brought his whole family down. This is his, another visit to Georgia. He visited Georgia for the Tennessee game last year, so that's a lot to live up to, Sanford Stadium crowd, but I know you can do it. He's really one of those prototype players, number one tackle in the country, if you want to say anything about him, maybe he needs to put on some more weight. That's maybe one scouting concern. And also you have the number one quarterback in the country, Ellis Robinson, the fourth. Two other guys I must mention, otherwise I'll have to do about 20 gassers or 50 BA burpees afterward. I've got to mention Jordan Thomas and Nair Daniels, two dogs from Jersey that are going to be in town watching the dogs. 
I believe it's the first time Nair has ever seen Georgia play in Sanford. So that'll be a treat. And also Jordan Thomas. And everybody's going to talk about Aiden Breeland, Brandon. I'm kind of give you a great segue there. But Joseph Jonah Ajanye and Jordan Thomas, those guys probably are going to be the pillars of this class on the defensive line front. Aiden Breeland, if he does join the class, that's a lot to live up to. But I think Georgia got two very special defensive linemen in four-star Jordan Thomas and then five-star Joseph Jonah Johnny. And I'll admit, I was also looking to see, you know, perhaps who's not coming. Sometimes that all is, that ends up being interesting, too. Obviously, the last big Georgia home game, you saw K.J. Bolden on hand for that. Bolden has put it out on social media this week that he will be back at uh, Tallahassee. So there have been some online chatter about the idea that K.J. might come back to Georgia for this game. But uh, apparently that's not the case. Apparently K.J. is going to go to uh, Tallahassee. So, Jeff, sometimes it's also interesting for who's not coming in games like this too. It is. And I, I wouldn't – you know, with Bowling, I'll just say this. I expect him to come back to Georgia for one more game this year, whether it's Ole Miss or Missouri. I know he's probably going to see Georgia – one one more one more time so that's something to look forward forward to there yeah so we'll certainly watch that and see where that goes also tonight's a fun night we're debuting the brand new peachtree sports network and we're doing it with a real bang up game here uh as Cass gets ready to take on cartersville now this is also interesting for georgia uh fans there too because it's Georgia commits on both sides of this. Malachi Tolliver, of course, the offensive lineman for uh, Cartersville, and Sokovi White, who's having a terrific year for Cass. And, you know, Jeff, obviously in a TV situation, not just respect to Tolliver, but it's easy to e- e- probably easier to notice Sokovi than it is to notice Tolliver at times. And I think for the folks who maybe get a chance to see Sokovi for the first time, he's been on TV with us a few times, so perhaps people have seen him before. But I think that people are going to really like what they see from Sokovi on the field. And while he is an offensive player at Georgia, he's going to be a wide receiver. I think a lot of his toughness, the I think he's had a lot of muscle mass this year. He's a thicker player than he used to be. He's uh, just a motor never stops running type guy. I think you see a lot of that on defense. It's almost to me the opposite of Keely Ringo. To me, you could tell how good of a cornerback Keely Ringo is going to be at Georgia because of how well he played offense in high school. He just showed some athleticism. I think for Sokovi, it's kind of the exact opposite thing. If you want to see how good of a receiver he can be at Georgia, watch the tenacity with which he plays defense. He loves defense, of course, as you know. Perhaps maybe not quite as tall to be a defensive back in a system like Georgia's. Uh, but for people who are going to see Sokovi for the first time tonight, they're going to see a guy I believe they really like. Yeah, Brandon, I'm actually going to be out there for this game. When I heard it was scheduled, I was like, I wonder if B.A. pulled the scheduled big-timer card because he's got a dog in Sokovia White versus a dog in Malachi Tolliver because that's one of those things I know folks like to see on Friday night, following the dogs, following the future. And, Brandon, those are not the only Georgia ties there. I mean, I know I don't have to jog your memory too hard to bring up the name Keith Henderson. Sure. Keith Henderson, a great tailback, fullback, chewed up Florida in that 24-3 win when Florida was number one uh, back in 1984 in Jacksonville. His nephews, the Henderson twins, Brandon, especially Devin Henderson. Now, he has got a chance to do something really special. He can be an all-state safety, an all-state quarterback, and an all-state running back in three separate seasons, Brandon. Think about that. You're All-State three years in a row, but you're All-State at three different positions. He's going to Liberty. 
you want to get an argument about who's the best overall football player on the Cass High team, I might entertain some thoughts about Devin Henderson there, even with the great Sokovi White there. Another Georgia connection, George, former Georgia offensive lineman Steve Gates is the head coach of Cass High School in a game where I don't think Cass has beaten Cartersville since 2007. And that's when Sokovi White told me he believes he was three years old the last time Cass beat Cartersville. That's going to be a really good one, but keep your eyes peeled for Sokovi White. You know, they call him Hollywood around Cass High School. He's got a tattoo, Hollywood on one of his thighs. Superior playmaker. If you want to look at a guy that can be that slot receiver, playmaker, go up and get it. Great vertical leap. Sokovi White's going to make some make some more dog fans tonight by watching the Peachtree Sports Network. And I know you've got a really fun story coming, or I should say an interesting story, probably a better way to say that, coming up on Sokovi White here in the future. And there's been a lot written about him lately about – you know, this is a guy who I think checks a lot of the boxes for George from that kind of leadership standpoint. The, you know, the guy that has really overcome, you know, tons of odds to kind of be where he is right now. His coach, Steve Gates, who also got his, has his own ties to Georgia, has, has certainly talked plenty about that. There's been a lot written about Sokovi here over the course of the last week or so. Uh, you know, just really an amazing young man who I think brings an incredible backstory with him when he arrives as a part of this 2024 class for Georgia. You know, I think Todd Munkin said it best when he was told Steve Gates this. He said, I think Sokovi White is as fast as he wants to be when he needs to be. And that's kind of like you look at him, Cass High School, is that a dominant Georgia power? They've got a lot of talent this year, probably five, six, D1, power five guys. But I see Sokovi a lot, and I see him and I think about what's he going to be like when he's surrounded by guys that are maybe not better, but older, more experienced, know the scheme, where Sokovi's got to raise his game. Because I do think he can raise his game a lot. You're talking about a, a strong wide receiver. I think he's over 1,100 pounds on deadlift, power, excuse me, on squat, power clean and bench. He's bench pressed at 315 at maybe 5'9 and 180 pounds right now. Um, there's a lot to like about his game. Monkey came and saw him, watched him play basketball. And Sokovi's a guy, especially considering their attrition right now in the Georgia wide receiver class for 2024, he says when he's committed, he means it. It means something in his family to be committed. He said, told me this week, when I give a man my word, that's it. That's my word. And that's why I'm always going to be a dog. And I mean, Sokovi wears number zero, playmaker everywhere over the field. And Brandon... I think you're going to get a good one on the call tonight. Give me a quick thought on Tolliver there as well, because uh, obviously that's a guy that uh, Georgia fans have grown to really like there too, part of a terrific Cartersville team. But for fans who perhaps see him moving bodies for the first time, what do you like about Tolliver? I think Tolliver's one of those versatile guys. We know Coach Searles is from the northwest part of our state, that Rome area. And you've got a guy in Tolliver who's big, he's long, He's got that, you know, adaptable type body frame where, you know, he's going to be probably going to be a guard. Might take a year or two for him to really crack a depth chart in Georgia, maybe in the 2D. But that's what's happening right now with Dylan Fairchild, and that's what's happening right now with Micah Morris. They're waiting, former All-Americans. And you got a guy in Tolliver that committed to Georgia very early, big time touting the dogs on social media. And it'll really make for an interesting contest. I asked Sokovi this week, 
And I said, yeah, I guess you guys are going to be brothers in Georgia, but you're going to be enemies for about 48 minutes on Friday night. So Kobe kind of laughed, and he said, yep, that's how it's going to be. I want to finish with this, Jeff. Uh, obviously, this week kind of interesting in terms of some new rules being introduced, some of that at the NCAA level. But I want to start here at the, at the uh, state of Georgia level, particularly with the new NIL, you know, kind of situation in place for Georgia high school, ath- you know, athletes. Of course, on the one hand, it seems like only a small number of athletes perhaps get a chance to take advantage of this. But this is also Georgia putting a little bit more of an aggressive policy in place than a lot of the neighboring states have. Florida doesn't have this yet. Uh, Alabama doesn't have this. Texas doesn't even have this. And yet uh, Georgia kind of stepping out into the forefront here and giving high school athletes in the state a chance to cash in, something they have not previously been able to do. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts, just generally speaking, about the new change. I know you've written about this at DogNation.com. But specifically, how do you think this impacts Georgia's recruiting efforts? And by that, I mean UGA. Yeah. So one of the things, Brian, I'll speak your language a little bit. I think the Georgia High School Association, I don't know how subtly they wanted to do it this week, but I think they gave a atomic elbow or a leg drop to the NCAA when they, they basically matter-of-factly said, we didn't want Georgia high school football to be the wild, wild west in terms of NIL. We wanted to put up some guardrails. We wanted to put up some parameters if you want to do if you want to participate in NIL, the state of Georgia is open for that with several caveats. And, Brandon, it's going to sound a lot like it was for, you know, when we first heard about NIL at the college level. Can't use intellectual property, can't use school logos, can't film an ad on the stadium. But the one thing Dr. Robin Hines is very effusive about is he's like, you have the right to make, make money off of your athletic Fame, not your athletic performance. They changed the bylaw to where if you've got a social media following and you want to sell T-shirts or you want to sell tires and you can follow all those rules, then you can earn that money in the state of Georgia. I think the main thing, when I want to make sure I, I localize it for or tie it in for the interest of a big-time Georgia football recruiting fan, let's face it, Brandon, a lot of folks that like the University of Georgia – and their recruiting efforts and follow it with a passion. Also really love high school football in the state of Georgia. But I think what this does, if you have to think about it, is it kind of would prevent a pre- prevent the likelihood of the best players in the state. Man, I'm only talking about 15 to 20 players in the state of Georgia leaving the state of Georgia to go get NIL elsewhere. Maybe it's Tennessee. Lots of coaches tell me you can go across the state line to Chattanooga. You can find a lot of NIL there if that's what you want. Maybe it's North Carolina. I think what it will do, I, I actually saw where the state of Florida quickly lobbied to get some of their laws on the books, quickly lobbied, lobbied their state association to get a Florida law now because Georgia has it as well. I think Georgia's a bell cow state. It's a hotbed state. And when Georgia has NIL in place, more states, Alabama, South Carolina, You mentioned Texas. I think they will kind of follow suit to make sure that NIL kind of pops up everywhere. But the main thing is, like, there are players in the state, Brandon, and On3.com does these valuations. You know, Georgia has 14 top 100 prospects this year, and the lowest NIL valuation for for DeMello Jones in this case is about $118,000 annually. Now, of course, that's for – college NIL, not so much high school NIL. But what it does, when you're talking about a lot of money, that money at that level might be enough for a family, 
to consider uprooting uprooting their lifestyle, uprooting their home in order to kind of chase those dollars. And I think that's what it does. It's kind of like a safeguard to make sure if the players leave the state, then it's not going to be a reason just to go chase NIL in another, in another state. I think the biggest thing it does, Brandon, from talking to a lot of high school coaches, is they realize it won't affect everyone. But what they're worried about is undue influence and recruiting to where a rural player, a great player in a rural area, rural area will, will leave that area because he knows the NIL opportunities will be much greater in a metropolitan population center. Because that never happens now. Because that never happens now. Oh, yeah. Never happens now. It's kind of like <laughs> dad gets a job at a big factory and all of a sudden a quarterback or a running back or a star wide receiver is now moving to that location to play his high school football. It's going to be really hard to police, Brandon, because let's say somebody moves away from school X and shows up at school Y, and then like three months later he's got an NIL deal. Or you know as well as I do, Brandon, you can have an NIL deal and basically send out two Instagram posts and one tweet, and that could qualify for it as well. And the timing on those are not very strict at all, but it's just something that had to be done because they didn't want the lawlessness and they didn't want a lot of things going unchecked in the state of Georgia when it comes to NIL. Very quick before we let you go here, the other thing coming from the NCAA is, and I guess this is more just sort of fun for fans to know than anything else, is the old photo shoots are gone now. So... Uh, alternate jerseys white uniforms red pants all the stuff we've gotten used to seeing recruits uh wearing i guess the ncaa is banning the photo shoots now (laughs) it's gonna be i'm gonna be a little bit sad i know it's probably good for the programs not to have to have photographers on retainer and on standby at all times but i'm gonna miss some of these alternate uniforms we always see the recruits wearing Uh, it's gotten to be kind of a source of content but i guess we're not gonna have that anymore well here's what you're gonna have like Mom and dad can still take take the pictures of them with coaches. But what's going to happen is I think, Brandon, if anything, now I don't predict this to be mainstream or I don't predict this to be gargantuan, but what I do see is maybe there's a player that's, you know, was felt good with his five officials. He's going to take advantage of the new You know, I think, yeah, we, we, Jeff Signal's just not cooperating with us. Uh, I'm sure what that was, uh, uh, you know, going to be an interesting answer but just not quite cooperating so we'll give jeff the uh, chance to kind of move on with whatever he's doing there and catching with him very soon and we'll get used to a new era of uh the end of i guess officially sanctioned uh photo shoots and we'll just sort of see uh where that uh where that goes with perhaps the uh parents as jeff was i believe saying there in the role of being photographer here now so with that we'll do our sec through Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Always an adventure, but uh, nonetheless, happy to uh, roll on. Speaking of adventures, big adventures coming up here with our friends at Royal Caribbean in 2024. So what do you say we get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean? Now, one of the things you've been hearing me talk a lot about right now is Hideaway Beach, the brand new addition, fun new area, adults-only area, by the way, coming to Perfect Day Coco K. That's going to make that experience even better. And I love the timing on this, getting going here as Royal Caribbean also gets ready to introduce two brand new cruise ships for 2024. So you've got Icon of the Seas debuting in January. That's a big deal. We're actually, you've been hearing me say Icon now for a while, and you got to realize that 
that's basically here almost now so uh that's really a fun thing to uh, think about and also july of 2024 the brand new oasis class ship and of all the new fun things this may be the thing that i'm perhaps the most excited about because i do like to take the three and the four night cruises our dog nation cruise is a four night cruise sometimes when you got two kids and kind of a lot of activities going on things are busy you know, a lot of times it's the uh, shorter cruises. They just kind of make for a better travel option. It can also be cost effective, too, depending on, you know, your budgetary needs and things like that. So I'm excited about a brand new Oasis class ship. It's only kind of a new thing that Royal Caribbean has done the Oasis class ships and all the fun stuff that goes along with that. The the Aqua Theater and the various neighborhoods, including like the Central Park and the Boardwalk and all of that. It's only a relatively recent phenomenon they've been able to have the Oasis-class ships and the shorter three- and four-night sailings. And to say now it's going to be a brand-new Oasis-class ship, essentially a ship, an Oasis-class ship built to kind of handle the three- and the four-night sailings at a Port Canaveral for families. That's one of the most exciting things you're ever going to be able to hear. So I want you to talk to Jessica Slater, terrific travel agent, specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. And she's going to tell you all you need to know about all of that. Give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email jslater at dreamvacations.com. And she has got you covered on all of that. All right, we're going to give our official predictions for all the big games this weekend, including Georgia against Kentucky on Saturday. I normally do this as a part of go with the flow but i'm not able to do go with the flow here this week so i am going to give these to you right now starting with georgia and kentucky for the 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 broadcast this week for our go with the flow broadcast that we're kind of all picking from we're going with georgia as a 14 and a half point favorite now here's the one thing that obviously folks know about georgia right now this team that has not yet covered the spread yet this season what we've said is that won't remain true forever either because georgia eventually kind of regresses back to the medium and starts playing at the level we sort of expected to play or expectations for georgia will just change perhaps there is some evidence that's happening right now because if you want to go back to when like FanDuel and some of these sports books first introduced their kind of games of the year look ahead lines early calendar year for what was going to happen this fall at that point in time georgia was about a 24 point favorite against kentucky if you want to go back and look at some of that so they've shaved like nine and a half points off that spread over the course of the last few months the truth is that's not completely unheard of because there's a very big difference in the sort of low limit bets they'll take on an early look ahead line and what they'll actually take the week of a game a little bit of a difference sometimes in some of that but you also see a little bit of a downgraded uh expectation for georgia just on the basis of that spread but ultimately here's what matters to me you look at georgia against sec teams there's really nobody that georgia had a harder time covering the spread against than kentucky uh, you have to go back to 2018 to find the last example of Georgia covering the spread against Kentucky. Georgia long winning streak against the Wildcats on the field, but in terms of these games being closer than experts have expected, that's been true in 19, 20, 21, and again last year there as well. It's four straight games which the Wildcats have covered, and also importantly here, four straight games that have gone under the total as well. Relatively low scoring, physical games. Unfortunately, that to me speaks to another situation on Saturday where I kind of expect some version of the same thing to happen. In a game that's relatively low scoring, big spreads are hard to cover. And for Georgia, two touchdowns still counts as a pretty big spread. I do expect Georgia to win the game, and I think a win is enough here. But in terms of doing this in such a way that gets you to the pay window, if you want to hold a betting slip on this, I don't quite see that here right now. I expect Kentucky to fight hard, and as we said earlier, Georgia will fight harder and find a way to play better and get the win. 
but I do believe this will be closer than the ex- experts think it's going to be. Alabama Texas A&M is a fascinating football game. Let me start with the Alabama part of this for a moment. We've seen Alabama now cover two straight games against SEC foes. Blowout fashion against Mississippi State, convincing fashion against Ole Miss. But prior to that, Alabama admittedly has played better the last couple of weeks. Prior to that, Alabama had been having a very difficult time covering the spread against anybody. In its 10 previous games, prior to the game against Ole Miss and Mississippi State we just referenced, in its 10 previous games before that, Alabama only covered the spread in two of those games. So this is an Alabama team that has not been playing up to expectations lately. We saw them you know, clearly be outclassed against Texas, struggled against South Florida, and may have righted the ship seemingly the last couple of weeks with Jalen Milrow now settled in at quarterback and Alabama kind of building an offense that's a little bit more suited to what he does well. But it's actually the other side to me that's the little bit of a story here. We have talked a good bit lately about the Texas A&M wide receivers. There is a lot about A&M that sort of looks like what you're used to seeing in Alabama. And the tandem of Aeneas Smith and uh, Evan Stewart at wide receiver, that's probably an example of that. But the other thing you have to keep in mind here right now for Texas A&M, this is a defensive line with Walter Nolan and Shamar Turner and, and, and the guys they have there that – looks like the kind of defensive line that you would usually see at a place like Alabama a lot was made of you know the big NIL induced recruiting class and a lot of the transfers out of there and the kind of the embarrassment that A&M suffered in 2022 but not everybody left a lot of those defensive linemen stayed and this is a Texas A&M defensive line that I think gives them a huge advantage against Alabama on Saturday Max Johnson with his SEC experience last week playing in place of the injured Connor Wegman who's out for the year. Johnson was fine. He was not great necessarily, but he was fine. Can he play better than Jalen Milrow on Saturday, especially playing at home? Absolutely he can. I believe this is a game that Texas A&M wins. I do. And it's always you know scary kind of putting your faith in a team like A&M that's let you down so many times before. Of course that's true. But we said going into the Texas game, this is an Alabama program that slipped. And if Alabama truly has slipped, they don't just prove that once. They have to prove that more than once for that to really be true. And this is the kind of game where that slippage could be on display again. A&M may leave Saturday as a truly legitimate contender in the SEC West. In fact, I believe that it will. Uh, LSU against Missouri. This is one of those games where I haven't really heard a lot of chatter about this yet, but my presumption is with Missouri being a a six-and-a-half-point home underdog, there's going to be a lot of love on Missouri and a lot of skepticism about LSU because of the defensive breakdowns the Tigers had last week against Ole Miss. I get where that comes from. Missouri has been legitimately impressive. I think that Luther Burden arguably has been the best wide receiver, specifically speaking wide receiver, in college football perhaps this year, among the best in the SEC for sure. He's not as good a player as Brock Bowers is, but he may be better than almost anybody else here you know, thus far this season. So Missouri is, to a degree, doing this in a legitimate way with the way they're feeding Burden and Burden's finding success. But the other guy for LSU who has had a very good year, and it's been obscured, and it's kind of hidden because of the fact they played so badly defensively, and they really haven't had up until recently much of a running game to speak of but Jaden Daniels is having a good year and he's actually having a better year throwing the ball this is one of the things that appears we might get wrong we thought that eventually LSU was going to need to replace Daniels with uh, Nussmeyer in order to be a real contender but the truth is LSU is not a contender for anything other than perhaps bowl eligibility uh certainly bowl eligibility but they're not they're not contending for any kind of SEC West crown or anything like that we don't think but Daniels right now has proven to be the kind of quarterback there's no need to replace, no need to move off of at all. And I think that Daniels is a difference maker for LSU on Saturday. 
favorite of a touchdown on the road that's a dangerous spot for LSU to be but I like Daniels to help them get that done there I'll take LSU one final moment here of avoiding embarrassment by beating a Missouri team that may be due for a loss Uh, I'll take LSU minus the six and a half on the road admittedly a dangerous spot Arkansas Ole Miss Ole Miss 11.5 point favorite a little bit hard to get up emotionally for this game after the wild back and forth against uh, LSU last week unfortunately though I think Arkansas has got some real problems I do uh this is a team that's just struggling they've taken some losses that were heartbreaking the BYU where you had the big lead had the lead against LSU and then when you can't get it going again in a rivalry situation like last week against Texas A&M unfortunately this may be an Arkansas team that the wheels are starting to come off for I would typically not back Ole Miss in this spot but I can't back Arkansas right now uh this is just not the same team that it was a couple of years ago unfortunately I'll take Ole Miss minus the 11 and a half right there big number to lay but I our Arkansas is a complete stay away from from me here right now Texas is a six and a half point favorite against Oklahoma in the state fair Red River shootout so far Texas is every bit looking the part of what we said a college football playoff team I think that Quinn Ewers could leave Saturday as the front runner perhaps for the Heisman Trophy perhaps the chief competition for Brock Bowers if you will but there is an aspect of which it almost certainly can't be easy all year long for Texas uh, at some point in time you're going to feel like they're going to probably be challenged this is a game in which they've been challenged in the past uh, Oklahoma has played a pretty soft schedule up to this point in time and perhaps that soft schedule works to its advantage here right now Brent Venables is also a really good defensive coach so if anyone seems capable of devising a game plan to keep it close against Texas on Saturday it seems like it's Venables uh, I may regret this because I do believe Texas on its way to the college football playoff but I'm gonna try to get a little cute here and say while they win the game is closer against Oklahoma and uh, perhaps Oklahoma kind of shows you they're having a little bit of a year two turnaround with Venables here right now so give me the Longhorns to win but Texas to make the point spread matter and sneak inside that's six and a half we'll see if that's the case and then finally I'll give you Louisville plus six and a half hosting Notre Dame I'll take the Cardinals freshly into the top 25 as a home underdog there in that spot we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean and of course make sure you check out the rest of the Dog Nation team's picks tonight on Go With The Flow right here on these Dog Nation video channels let me also tell you about my friends at Mr. Rooter here for a moment because they offer something really interesting for you right now it's called a whole home water filtration you can also get draining uh, cleaning and repair water heaters and so much more from our friends at uh, Mr. Rooter Uh, they're uh, dedicated to addressing your plumbing needs as quickly as possible both residential commercial clients everything in between uh you can count on Mr. Rooter for upfront pricing, flexible uh, service options, and exceptional customer service. Plus, it's just a $29 dispatch fee. So visit MrRooterGeorgia.com for more on that. That's MrRooter.com. Uh, I should say MrRooterGeorgia.com, my mistake. MrRooterGeorgia.com for more on that today. All right, bunch of golden shoes to give you on the way out the door here on a Friday. And obviously, a lot of these Brock Bowers themed as Brocktober begins in earnest tomorrow so let's roll through these including the one i was supposed to give you yesterday let me give this to you now first golden shoe on tap for today lee anderson emailed this to me for those about to brock we salute you uh the uh, acdc tie-in with brock bowers there we're all in favor of that that's uh that's really good stuff so lee anderson well-earned golden shoe coming your way thanks for the submission there on that bark a lot who's already won once this week also gives you brock bowers for heisman 
tight end for the University of Georgia. He's got hashtag Brocktober, so bark a lot. We will give you a golden shoe once again there for that. We love that. And speaking of multi-time winners of our golden shoe, got one of those coming up here in a moment too, but how about Archduke Wave Runner? Give us the funny meme of the guy saying he's going to need a bigger house for all of his trophies, and Archduke says that's going to be Brock Bowers when all is said and done and the three-peat is complete. Hashtag Brocktober. I love that, Archduke. Appreciate you uh, sharing that. Our buddy Mad Dog weighs in to earn and bring home another golden shoe. It's Brocktober. Be afraid, he says. A really fun uh, Photoshop work job there by uh, Mad Dog, giving the haunted house in the background, the scary, spooky-themed font. Very well done by Mad Dog, who's always so good at earning these golden shoes. We will give him one once again there. And then finally, there's this. Everybody this week got the big national alert thing, at least if you didn't have your phone turned off. I guess you got that. And so our South Georgia dog uh, sends this in for a golden shoe, saying it's been 669 days since the back-to-back national champion Georgia Bulldogs have lost a college football game. No action is required by the public. Really funny stuff by uh, South Georgia dog. Once again, a golden shoe going his way there on that. And now our Gator hater countdown. Lousy, stinking Gators. They're just trying to beat Vanderbilt on Saturday. But Georgia's thinking about 22 days from right now, slapping them around. Those lousy, stinking Gators once again. That's our Gator hater countdown. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you in Athens tomorrow after the game. UGA uh, Bookstore for the postgame show. Back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to talking to you then.